Hello, and welcome to our first video on Esoterica. My name is Leah Eichler, and I am the publisher and managing editor. I have the distinct pleasure today of interviewing uh, Judy Stanningar. She is an author and a psychotherapist living in San Diego. And her new book, which I just finished last night, is called Marika's Best Laid Plan. And we're going to discuss that uh, very shortly. But hello, Judy, and welcome. Hi, welcome. Thank you. And uh, thank you, Leah, for having me at your podcast. And it's my first podcast. So wonderful. So um, uh, Judy, tell me a little bit about yourself, your background. You, You grew up, you were born in Israel, correct? Correct. I was born and raised in Israel. Um, and, uh, you know, back in the late 50s, early 60s, when Israel was young, I like to say Israel was young at the same time as that was. <laughs> and, uh, it was very different Israel to today's Israel. Because, right. Uh, uh, just like we are. Like exactly. So, and we moved, uh, and, and my parents were Holocaust survivors, so there was that in the background too. But uh, again, back in the day, I think a large part of Israelis were Holocaust survivors, so it was a natural um, environment for me. Right. I thought it was a very common thing. Uh, and not to have grandparents in the background, that was common, and not, mm-hmm. you know. And then when I was uh, in my early teens, at my 13, my, we moved to the U.S. And um, then I had the trajectory of many immigrants. I had the immigrant story, mm-hmm. which I think is part of what uh, that outsider, that uh, feeling marginalized, feeling mm-hmm. not connected, which I think is what I tend to write about. Right. Um, and uh, I went to, but my career was not, I didn't start out in writing. I, um, my, for my, my parents wouldn't have encouraged to try a career in writing, you know. I hear they that. <laughs> be a lawyer, have, have a, a, a sound profession to fall back on because hard times are around the corner and so on. So um uh, I got my degree, actually, it was roundabout way, too. I went and I got a degree in political science. Uh, I was doing my PhD, and then I dropped out of there and went into publishing, worked in publishing for a short time, and then I realized that I needed something a little bit um, more people-connected and mm-hmm. because of I was always interested in what made people tick. So I went into therapy and, and, you know, I got a second degree and um, became a therapist. So most of my adult life, I was a therapist. Right. And I can see the your therapy work uh, does make its way into the book. Uh, so the protagonist works at a methadone clinic and she is a therapist, uh, which is fascinating. Um, have, you, have you ever worked at a methadone clinic? So exactly. So I started my career even before I went to graduate school, someone by a real you know, if things are meant to be. So something happened. I met this person. She, we talked. She was um, uh, a manager. She was a, a director of a methadone clinic. And she said to me, Judy, you're in between careers. And I'd love to have, I, I would train you, be, be a therapist, you know, and then we'll worry about the degree that you need. 
So she was a director of a methadone clinic because it was in Stanford, Connecticut. Mm -hmm. I worked there and went to school and it was about five years stint. Right. And it was only years later, we were living in New York City again. And I worked in a, that's when I was a director of a methadone clinic in Manhattan, in Upper East Side. Right. Back then, I had, I, I found the world so fascinating uh-huh. uh, that I thought to myself, one day I'm going to write a book, Tales of Methodonia, right. about yeah. these, these, these wounded people, right. and, and society shuns them. It's before the current heroin addiction and everybody's into, you know, is hearing it nonstop, but this is the, in a day when heroin addiction was a small segment of the population. And many of them were the um, the black, the brown, the Hispanics, and so that's um, that's the world that was at that time. And I just right. found it fascinating, and I thought, and I had the idea of writing a book, but of course, life interfered with my plans, and I didn't do it for quite a while. Well, it obviously percolated for many years because there's some fascinating tales about uh, working in a, in a methadone clinic uh, in this book. And I, I imagine you you have many more stories. So perhaps that'll be your next book of short stories, Tales of Methadonia. I think it's a great title. Um, and so so tell us a little bit about your, your publishing journey. So you, you made um, the... I, you know, you, you worked as a therapist, a psychotherapist, and then you made this leap into writing, uh, which is, is challenging. I mean, so tell us a little bit about how you, how you made that, that shift. So, you know, and out, outside, it looks like a major shift, but another, you know, we are all complex beings. We're not just right. one thing or another. So true. So, all the while I was a therapist, I was tinkering with writing. I just don't think I had the courage mm-hmm. to quit my job and do something I, my first love. I mean, I started writing when I was a kid, you know, right? <laughs> you know, keeping diaries from age seven on. Um, and then we moved to Jamaica for, mm-hmm. and I was teaching at the university there for a few years. So I was also, I said, this is a great time because teaching at a university, let me tell you, that's the ivory tower. They don't know a nine to five. Right. It's really hard. But I don't want to insult anyone out there. But until you do a nine to five stint, teaching at a university gives you a lot of free time. Right. Right. So I started writing. And I and that was not my first novel. I wrote a first novel. And then like the, like the you know, like someone who landed from the moon, I said, well, I'm not going to get it edited or anything I'm just going to put it on Amazon and have my friends read it and so that was the tale of my first book right so it was always there uh-huh. and then um and then I just we moved back to San Diego and uh, we lived all over the country but then we moved back to San Diego mm-hmm. and I was in a semi-retirement mode so I mm-hmm. went from working with a at the veteran at the VA with PTSD full-time, very right. intense work. And I thought, oh, I'm exhausted. So I started a, a private practice and a very small practice. Um, and that was to give me time to really finally do what I really always wanted to do and meant to do and take writing seriously. And that's that's when I That's started. what you did. No, that's great. 
I mean, looking back, um, you know, what would you have done differently, if anything? Would you have started running sooner? I mean, there's a lot, I think a lot of people in, in your, well, you know, there's a lot of people in the situation where, you know, they have a book and they want to write into the back of their, you know, it's, it's something they want to do. And, and maybe post COVID, a lot of people are taking that leap. But I mean, would you have done anything differently? Would you have taken your, yeah? What would you I, wish done? I was one of those people who said, oh, no, I would do it all over the, exactly the same. But I think coming from my background, right. writing was not, sitting home and writing was just yeah. not an option, really. Right. So I think if I had to do it over again, there's a lot of, for me, growing up with a family who are all Holocaust survivors, um, there's a certain fear and a certain way of looking at the world that it's a dangerous place right and bad things happen yeah. and they will happen mm-hmm. so uh you have to be prepared yeah i mean jokingly in the book i say uh that my character marika keeps lots of t- uh um canned food in 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 her kitchen because you never know when it right. starts and there won't be food mm-hmm. and um and believe me, a lot of my family in Israel probably still do that. But yeah, so tell me a little bit about your parents. Where where were, I mean, you were born in Israel. Where were your parents born? So my dad was born in Germany and my mom in Poland. Mm-hmm. And she was uh, 16 when the war started and just turned 16. She was one month turned 16 and she was pretty quickly uh, taken to a labor camp and she spent the war in a labor camp, but in my father, it was a very long story, but he ended up r- running to Russia and being in the gulag. Mm-hmm. And there's an interesting kind of story is that he was sent to years of hard labor because he was uh, a political uh, prisoner. Mm-hmm. But when Russia started needed front to open the front against the Germans, they uh, said all non-Russian political prisoners, if right. you're willing to join the military, mm-hmm. you know, will commute your, se- your sentence. So he joined the, the Russian military and he was with the military to free the camp where my mom was in. And wow. Yes. Oh, my God. Which, so which camp was your mother in? Do you remember the name? Yes, she was in a camp in a small place called uh, Chainstochova which uh-huh. is a small, uh, uh, well, not such a small town. And it was called Hasak. Okay. It was a labor camp. Right. Uh, she survived. Some of her siblings didn't survive. And uh, the same goes with my father's family. And interestingly enough, I know a lot about your family because um, just the last name, my uncle, who was an Eichler, right. was one of 10 children and only two survived. So, um so there's the tale of the Holocaust, and there is, and, yeah. So, uh, so interesting. We'll we'll segue to that. Um, Judy and I met uh, just casually via Facebook uh, because she recognized my last name as Eichler, which is also, or Eichler, which is how my grandfather would have pronounced it, um, and it's been Canadianized or Americanized over the last generation, but um, Judy's family is also Eichlers, and uh, we tried to um, figure out how we are related. Uh, we most likely are uh, somehow. Uh, there aren't that many of us, um, that, uh, that many of us really. So um, 
that was our, our common connection. And, and it's interesting. We seem to do, we seem to have a lot in common because we're both writers. Uh, we're both Eichlers. <laughs> we're both, uh, we found out we are, we're both um, um, our, our, her husband and my, my partner, my long-term partner are, are both Jamaican. So we, we seem to have a lot in common. Um, uh, we are, we are family in, in a way that um, we may not ever fully understand, but uh, family, family nonetheless. I was a uh, joke, by the way, that Eichler, um, I think, is a Germanic name. Right. So, it, you know, and back then, you know, people had 10 children. So many survived, so many didn't. And then wives died and the men remarried and had 10 more children. Right. So there, it probably all comes to one man. <laughs> probably. If you go back a few generations and we're all connected. I'm sure we, I'm sure you're right. I'm sure you're right. So, so do you tell me, you know, now that um, you have, you have your first book that you published yourself and then this other book, Marika's Best Laid Plan. And, um, you know, what advice would you have for writers that, you know, decided that they want to put their, you know, their, their proper career that their parents wanted them to have on hold or on the back burner uh, and choose writing as a full-time vocation? Any advice for them? Yeah, my advice is not to follow my track. You know, <laughs> it's to, uh, you know, to be fearless. Right. And to just follow, uh, follow what you want to do. I know there are pressures and it's easier said than done. Obviously, I didn't do it. Right. But um, I think if that's what you want to do, I mean, I always think of Bob Dylan. Mm -hmm. whose father didn't want him at all. He wanted him to go be an engineer in college. And right. Bob Dylan uh, quit his freshman year college, his first semester after first semester. And he went to New York with a guitar and a suitcase and with no money because his father wasn't going to let him. And, and his father must have thought, oh, this kid he <laughs> can't even sing. He doesn't have a good voice. What is he going to, you know? But he followed his dream. It's true. Well, so, and the other thing I would yeah. say is, you know, uh, write, just write. Because, you know, take classes and write. Because the other thing is, as a procrastinator, right. I would, uh, okay, I've written an hour. I, now I need, the, you, know, other th uh, you know, tomorrow. So, right. So it's only when I, when I sat down and I said, no excuses. Mm-hmm. You either want to do it or stop talking about it. Right. Do it. Right. So that's great advice. And yeah, I, I feel the procrastination, Jean. <laughs> that that runs deep sometimes. Well, thank you very much, Judy. This was wonderful. Um, and um, you know, we really enjoyed having you on. Again, my name is Leah Eichler. This is Esoterica magazine, and uh, we will be back uh, in another week. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you so much. Thank you.